Hi, my name's Scott Thomas, and this is a brand new episode of Learning As I Go. Last week, I was joined by the phenomenal Kate Cocker, who taught us all about positivity and how to implement this into our daily lives. This week, I'm joined by my former business partner, but also one of my best mates, Scott Sashua. Me and Scott have been through some serious highs with the Avisa days and the partying days, but also some really tough lows as well from our selfish stick days. Scott has gone on to be an incredible businessman, taking the Control Club to be a multi-million pound business, and he inspires me every single day, but he also knows me better than anyone. So this is going to be a great episode. I hope you enjoy, and let's get ready to learn as we go. Right, here we are, Scotty Sashua. How are you, mate? Very well, mate. I'm very well. Excited to do this with you. Long overdue. Honestly, for anyone who doesn't know, Scott Sashua is one of my best friends for, I think it's about 12 years now. But he's more than that. He's pretty much my brother because I lived with Scott for a big period of my life, not only together in an apartment, but also with his family, believe it or not. I actually lived with Scott and his family for about, was it two and a half years, Scott? Two and a half, three years, mate, yeah. Yeah. So we go back a long way, but also Scott was um, my first ever business partner and we had an incredible seven to eight years working together, believe it or not, throwing parties for a living. That's what we did, Scott, right? In the Avisa days. You threw the parties, mate. I just counted the numbers. (laughs) And do you know what? Well, let's talk about it, Scott, because basically let's talk about our relationship as business partners because... I was so privileged to have you in my life at that time. And we were, and you know what? We were a really strong duo. I was very much the face of the of the night in terms of being the ultimate party boy. I took a lot of credit for the nights. Was that difficult for no, you, Scott? Because not I, one bit, mate, no. because you deserve that credit and every ounce of it. Like, Avisa was successful, mate, because well, you weren't even part of Avisa when it first started, right? So we met, no. I just got back from university I seen loads of people doing, you know, Thursday nights, student nights, whatever it was. So I rang Michael and he was the coolest kid at, at school at the time and said, listen, let's do a night in Cheshire. And the first night we did, mate, I don't know if you'll remember, but it was the night before my 21st birthday party. And Michael rang me and said, Scott, I've got a friend called Scott. He's from Cheadle. His brothers are on the TV. He knows a lot of people. He'll get some faces down. He's cool. Can he help promote us? And so... The first night came and bear in mind the venue probably only fit 350 people and cashing up at the end. And I think we was a pound for every person you got in, if you remember. <laughs> I, I think got a pound got, for every person. I think you got 250 quid, which means not only did you 70% fill the venue, but you got more people down to my 21st birthday party than me. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm sure you asked for a percentage and I said no. And then two weeks later, we did another event and it was, you know, me, Michael and the DJ and about four other people. So we had no option. So then, you know, I might have been good at the things I did, mate, but, you know, that, that let's have it right, mate. I'm not in any way, shape or form misinformed about how good you were. You know, 
the events that we did, the people that you got down, the, the way that you were at the event, your energy in the, in the venue. I was very, 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 very fortunate to have been part of your journey on that. And I think, yeah, okay, great. You know, we had different qualities, but in the nightlife industry, especially, I think your qualities outweighed mine in that sense. And I was very lucky to be a part of your, your journey there. I appreciate that, bro. And one thing about you though, Scott, is from the moment I met, you've always been a solid guy, right? So for example, I'm not shy about talking about this. So we used to live together and Scott was always a really grounded, respectful, like you just had your head switched on from a young age. Whereas I was very much a lost soul for a lot of my twenties. I used to live with Scott and bring back crazy parties to Scott's house. I don't know why he used to put up with me, but how did that come about, Scott, for you to have your head switched on from such a young age? And like, for me, my only regret, and I say regret because we shouldn't really have them, is that I just didn't really switch on from a younger age. Like, when do you think that these young kids and stuff coming up now should start to really focus on their sort of future? I leveled up at 14 years old, mate. My dad, I got dropped from Stockport County with Championship Football Club at the time. And my dad had a very difficult conversation with me and said, you're not good enough to play football. You need to start thinking about education now and I did I was I was not scared of my dad but I had so much respect to my dad that I was scared to ever let him down we had like obviously a very different upbringing your dad wasn't around probably as much as as my dad was and so for me from the age of 15 I didn't have that freedom of no accountability really to myself because I, had a, I was accountable from a very early age I admire you more for, for finding it mate at, at 30 years old than me at 15 years old because I in many ways didn't have a choice it was instilled in me you've done it off your own back you've looked at yourself in the mirror for however many years and said i've got to make a go of it now and i can change it and 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 you've done it and look at you whereas for me at 15 years old it was like this is what you're doing son and and you're going to make a go of it yeah and i think that's probably why your family plays a massive part in your life because you know the importance of having a solid family foundation which is imperative for a happy sort of balanced life and don't get me wrong yeah I feel like if I look back at my life not having my father around as much as possible and it, it really did affect things but at the same time Scott people might look at your life and go do you know what he comes from a good um, background and a good upbringing he's had quite an easy life and everything else but I just want to feel like sort of let people know like your business career, Scott, has been sort of relentless. And we talk about the highlights and we talk about the best moments and we only really see that on Instagram and stuff like that. But Scott, I've seen you. I've seen, I've been part of some of your biggest failures, my yeah. biggest failures. Yeah. Like for example, even when Avisa started to fail and we start, we couldn't get 20 people down to a nightclub anymore. That was a big sort of wake up call from it being at the top of your game. It was selfie yeah. for me, mate, where we were, where we, me and you learned the most about ourselves when we, built up that business to selling nearly a million selfie sticks in a year and then losing it all overnight. And I had family's money in, the, in, in there and, and, and whatever else. And that scared the shit out of me. And I think being that scared and that happening to me so, you know, at such an early age and seeing what everybody thought was this phenomenal business, seeing that lose that in a matter of hours, days, you can lose. You could lose it as quickly as you as you got it. So unless you unless you're on the ball and you know you're driving people forward and driving your team forward, like I've seen, you know, the pandemic. There's been businesses that have lost. They've lost the businesses through the pandemic, rightly or wrongly, or through their own fault or, or things out of their control. But it's not given, and we're so lucky now that we're privileged to have 
a business that turns over, you know, good money, has 50 staff. We make good profit year on year and, and doesn't mean next year is guaranteed by any stretch of imagination. Oh, I like that. So it's almost like the bigger you get, the more sort of responsibilities you get and the more momentum that you kind of need to keep as well, which is a really good point. But just to go back to the selfie stick, guys, for anyone who doesn't know, me and Scott and Tom Curl and um, even Umar Kamani from PLT, we set up a selfie stick business pretty much just on a whim, really, from Tom Curl bringing one over from China, but it kind of escalated very quickly. And we basically became the number one selfie stick brand in the UK. We, had, Me and Scott were going to do deals with Curly, the likes of Harrods, Selfridges, Harvey Nicks, Costco, everywhere. And we, we basically created an incredible business. But then we made a big mistake when we put all our money and all our funds into um, the Segways, which everybody probably remembers. And that was a disaster. There was um, segways blowing up in the press. Not ours, I might add, but at the same time as all our deals, we had some multi-million pound deals which were pulled overnight. And I remember Scott actually had his his family home as sort of a guarantee on that business. And that was a responsibility that Scott took on. Even though we were all partners, Scott, you were always the one who, the responsibility always fell on you because you were the hardest worker in the room. You wanted to sacrifice the most. And I, I remember how low you were and how difficult that was. And, when that business liquidated, we were all fortunate at that time. We we launched a social PR as a little bit of a side business and the Couture Club as a bit of a side business as well. And and then Curly went off to do PLT and I went off to do Love Island. And you, at the time, you and Ross, you were kind of left with the shortest straw, right? So you were left with Couture Club. You had about five grand's worth of investment. And we, I was actually a shareholder at the time, but it was that small. I actually said, I'm not bothered to take the percentage back. I'm gutted about that now. <laughs> um, but at the same time is, I remember you feeling really deflated and sort of almost a little bit let down that you were, you basically had this short straw, but wow, what you've done, Scott, to turn that moment and that pain into this future. Now you've got 50 staff, um, a store at the traffic center, all these incredible things, but I want to talk about that failure now that moment in time like you just mentioned then, like did that drive you forward on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, do you know, we've got a van outside in the, in the car park here and that van was the only thing I had for about a year. We, we got in the van when we were doing selfie stick deliveries and I took the lease out in my name and it's battered. It's, it's obviously eight years old now, but I can't let it go because it's like a, re a daily reminder to myself of how, bad that time was and and which is a good thing to me it's good to remind yourself of like how low it got we you know we were very young again what 27 28 we thought we could conquer the world we'd had all we'd had was success a visa was a success selfie stick overnight was a success and probably i i say it about me but probably you'd admit the same it was the best thing that ever happened to us because we i don't think we were ready mate i don't think we were ready for, to one, have that amount of financial money because it would have been scary money for us at that age. And two, I don't think we had a true reflection of what the real working, like Tom says to us, doesn't he? He says, you two, you know, you two never failed before then. Like you were, you were on a winning streak. And I know for a fact, I have made 10 times better decisions throughout my career at Couture Club because of those failures, whether it might be borrowing money from people, it might be selling products into wholesale or just making decisions like finance options, whatever it is, I'll never forget those, how bad it was. And, and me, you and Tom went through a funny year because we obviously I'd felt at that time that I was left 
to pick up the pieces. We had a lot of hoverboards that, you know, we still owned and I owed my parents still a little bit of money. And then I felt like Tom had gone to PLT and you'd obviously had the social PR, which was the right thing to do. And you gave me control club and it was the right thing to do. Our strengths were in different areas. You were definitely the PR guy, 100%. But I did feel a little bit on my own at that point for six months and a little bit of resentment to you and Tom. And now I can look back at it and smile. We got through it. We learned our lessons. We're still the best of friends. We take the piss out of each other for, 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 for however many reasons. But those lessons that we learned in that, it was only two years, but those lessons that we learned, the hustle that we had, mate, to, to go to Costco with off a whim and get a 350 grand order, just, it was, it was crazy what we did. Also taught us so much about, about our futures and, and how resilient we were. But at the same time, Scott, I feel like you've always been a few years ahead, especially of me. And I think at the time I didn't have the capability or even the mindset to deal with that sort of failure. Like I couldn't pick up the pieces. And I think that's a credit to you that you were the only one who sort of took that responsibility on. And that's why you are one of my biggest inspirations. That's why you are on this podcast now, because you've inspired me all, all along this journey. And I think it's really important what you just said about failures. Like, I know people say you need to be comfortable with failing. I'm still not comfortable with it. But if I do look back in my life, all the best moments of my life came through failures, right? Because they take you on to the next level. You have to level up. You have to grow. You don't have a choice. And the amount of lessons you learn from those times is just sort of integral to your growth as a human being. And I think, like you said, we look back now on the selfish stick days and we wouldn't change any of it for the world. Like we just wouldn't because it's made us who we are today. Not one bit. They were the best days of our lives, mate. The excitement, the, the ups and the downs. It was just, it was crazy. But just, you know what, Scott, to put, we talk about growth, but to put things in perspective for people who didn't really know me back then, how would you describe me then and describe me now? The reason why I asked that as well, Scott, is not because I want to be self-indulgent. It's just because I want to show people how through certain decisions and steps in your life, you can grow as a person. And I think you've seen that probably most through my journey and I've seen that in you, but for me, like I said, you've always been solid. You've always been consistent. You've always been that. So how would you describe me then the Scottish special to now? Well, first of all, mate, I don't think there's many people in the world that could be more proud of you than, than I am over these last three years where you've completely turned your life around. I think, like you said, we live together and 99% of the time it was good, but there would be days where I'd come home and, I'd live with you, but you weren't in the room. Do you know what I mean? You, you know, you'd sit on the sofa and you'd watch the telly. You didn't want to talk to me, but you just wanted me to be there. And I think you were obviously going out a lot and, you know, partying. You were seriously talented, but you didn't respect yourself enough to know when to stop. And the last three years since you've done that and the things that you've achieved, the agency, obviously social PR, food for thoughts, and all these amazing opportunities that have come your way as a well-respected businessman is because you respect yourself and know how much you can achieve and how much you, you know, when we were partying, mate, and, you know, it was like Scotty Special. Who's Scotty Special? Scotty Special to me never needed to be Scotty Special. Scotty Special was, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a firm believer like you are that people only came to see Scotty Special. I think it was a big reason, but I didn't think Avisa would have any, you know, if Scott Thomas drank or didn't drink every single week, to me, it didn't, it didn't play a big difference. And I know for you, you felt in your head at that time, didn't you, that 
I have to go there. I have to perform. I have to be drunk. I have to get people going. And, and then the best thing that you ever did was walk away from alcohol for 12 months. And I never in a million years thought that you'd be able to do that. And you did it. And since then, you've got a great relationship with alcohol once a month, once every three months. And you, you say, I inspire you, mate. But I, honestly, but hand on heart, I've never had a bigger inspiration in my life than you because like I said to you, not that I've had it easier with a silver spoon, but I was instilled from a very young age on, on, and I was had a family around me all the time that told me right and wrong, told me when I was doing good, praised me when I was 15, 16. I don't think you had that. I don't think you had the same upbringing that I had. It, you know, you had an amazing upbringing, I'm not detriment in that one bit, but you didn't have that two people, like father and mother figure to, to sort of, lead you along the way and you got you got left to your own path which is where you rightly so at 18 to 25 year old famous brothers you know famous yourself you were going to make mistakes of course you were in the last three years mate since you've you've took everything a lot more seriously and number one you, you've respected yourself to know that what you can achieve and you, you're already I mean you're probably nowhere near on your journey where you want to be because I know how high you aspire to be but look at you mm. No, I appreciate that, bro. You know, that's such a good point as well. And you know what? It's a great observation from you because I didn't really think about it till now. But it's about that self-respect, that self-love. And I didn't love myself. I didn't like myself. And, and I think the biggest sort of component when you're trying to reach a goal or fulfill your potential, you need to believe in yourself. You need to back yourself and you need to yeah. love yourself. And um, yeah. it sounds cheesy sometimes when people say that, but it's really true. So yeah, man, I appreciate you saying that. But Scotty, man, like literally... This is a question I'm going to be asking a lot of my guests. What does success look like to you then? Number one is be a good dad, be a good father. Number two, obviously, like I said, be, be a good husband. I've got a wife that does a lot for me and she deserves the best of me. And then number three, like, I just want to make sure that I don't let myself down. I, don't, I want to make sure that if I didn't achieve or if me and Ross didn't take a chore club to where it, could go it's not down to the fact that we didn't work hard enough it might have been down to our talent or it might have been down to the fact that we didn't quite have that business acumen or market employee that that we thought we had like if i die 50 years from now 40 years from now 30 years from now with the ghosts looking over me saying you didn't work hard enough and you had that opportunity then that's going to be a regret that i'll live with forever so success to me looks like nothing financial in any way, shape or form, you know, the financial success that could come with growing the business, great. I'll take it, of course I will. But if I can go home every night, put my kids to sleep, my wife sits and has dinner with me and we talk to each other and I go and do it, you know, the next day and I'm inspiring my staff and they respect me and the business is growing, then I couldn't be any more successful. But that's one thing that I wanted to talk about, Scott, because not only work ethic really shines through from you, Scott, and one of the biggest qualities that you've sort of, taught me in life but also family as well the importance of family like honestly for anyone who doesn't know scott and his family like they are literally the fairy tale family in terms of their love their bond is just like no other and you talk about work scott but at the same time as you still now manage to balance your relationship with your family i know i know you struggle some days you really do but you've got a beautiful wife now two kids a beautiful home and how are you managing to balance that sort of work ethic and that work life with your family and putting that time in. For me, the only two things that seem to matter to you, Scott, in life is working and your family, which I don't think is necessarily a bad balance, but why is that? Where does that come from? 
I'm lucky because obviously our Haley works in the office. She's worked at Couture Club for, for five, six years. So, you know, I, I'm working with family every day if I'm down or if anything, I've got my sister in the office with me every day. So that I feel like I've got an element of a family at work. And obviously I've got a great relationship with Ross and we, we talk about work-life balance and I, I'd probably say 70% of the time I've got a fantastic work-life balance and a 30% of the time I'm so lucky in the sense that I've got a wife that steps up at home for me uh, and she she's amazing and she's, she never gives me stick and she knows that it's for the greater good, et cetera, et cetera. So as most managing directors, and I'm sure you've been through the same, you know, when work is tough, if somebody leaves, if there's an opportunity that arises that you have to put the hours in for, then unfortunately family does get sacrificed slightly. We've got, you know, Couture Club's seven years old now, so I've got the best PA I could ever ask for, Angela. She does, she makes my life 10 times easier at home and at work. And then you know, we, we built like a senior team of, of staff that have been with us five, six years now that we trust implicitly. But, you know, if we could all have the perfect work-life balance all of the time, then that'd be the dream. But it's not that realistic, is it? I mean, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Scott, because... All of my life, I've believed in the hustle culture because I, I got that from being around you, right? Even during the partying days, we worked in a different way. It wasn't like your nine to five or anything else, but we always had our eye on the brand and, and making, making sure that we filled that nightclub every single week. But obviously things have gone to a whole new level, especially for me over the last few years. And I've been quite kind of relentless in chasing my goals and everything else. But when you talk about sacrificing your family and stuff for, for that time, when do you draw a line, Scott? When when do you feel like you've got that goal that you want to achieve and you don't need to be sacrificing time with your family? When? Or is it just something that's innate within you where... I don't think... Do you know what, mate? You, everybody has like their own version of what success is to them. And I think for me, number one is being a good dad. Always will be. I was... It sounds so morbid this, but I always think, you know, if, if anything was ever happened to me, are my kids going to be financially stable? Are they going to are they going to have good memories of me? Are they you know if number one thing for me to be successful is to have my kids look at me the way that I looked at the way that I looked at my dad and my mum when I was growing up. Mm. So that's success to me. Number one is being a good dad. Number two, being a good husband. And I'm so lucky that I'm absolutely in love with my wife Sophie. She uh, has given me, like you said, two beautiful kids. We live in a beautiful house. And you know, if I don't make her happy, then that's not successful, is it? So that's number well, Scott, one. Scott, this is what I'm saying. You're, you're, you're doing this though. You're doing that every single day. So you've achieved that. And I know you're doing that because I've seen you and I've seen how happy your family are and everything else. So what is the big picture for you? Why do you keep going? Why is it so relentless? You, you listen to, to the same growing up. We used to listen to Eric, the hip hop teacher, right? And he's a motivational speaker and, for not for a second, Scott, am I saying I grew up in poverty or I grew up in the ghetto, but he did this speech where he's gone to a college of young lads that have got scholarships for, for basketball. And he says, the worst thing in the world isn't growing up in poverty, it's growing up in poverty and then going on nice holidays, you know, going, staying in nice hotels, eating nice food, having a bit of success and then going back to poverty. And for me, again, it's, it's very much that, you know, I've become accustomed to, to the way that I live now and the thought of losing that, you know, nothing's guaranteed. So the thought of losing that for me is like what drives me. He says as well, like you have to take advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime and the lifetime of the opportunity. So me and Ross have 
you know, what an opportunity we've got. We've built a phenomenal brand in the UK. We've created a small monster, but the opportunity now and the, the desire for me now is to keep building that and keep growing that. And, you know, the opportunity that I've got now is bigger than the opportunity when I first set up the Couture Club because we've, we're able to do so much more with it now. We're, we, you know, going from a UK brand to a global brand, it, it will be difficult, don't get me wrong, but we've got that opportunity to even think about being global. So we owe it yeah. to ourselves. 100%. I think it's about the opportunity to reach your potential. I think that's what we're always striving for. For me, happiness comes through progression. And But the one thing that I remember from the last time me and you met, we were with Tom Curl, we went for food and we were talking, I was talking about certain areas of business that I just don't enjoy and I don't like. And you said quite specifically, you said, you know what? I wake up every day and I'm buzzing to, to go to work. Like I, I treat it like a bit of a game. And that's so weird that you said that because that's something that my business coach and our business coach, David, yeah. has taught me about detaching emotion from business. I feel like with you, the way that you said that, you went, it's just sort of like a different game that I've got to get to the next level and I've got to achieve this and I've got to achieve that. And I don't really look at it as a chore. And I think that's, do you believe that if you enjoy what you do, then I'm obviously- working. I never feel like, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel like I work a day in my life. Honestly, really? and, and when I said that to you, it's, it's quite easy saying that because we've achieved everything that we, we set out to achieve, we, you know, the, whether it's the business valuation is, is superseded what we dreamt of or whatever it is. So you, you can go to work and, you know, the, I don't feel the pressure anymore. I've already set out what I set to do. So now it's like you said, it's a game. It's how do I get it to the next level and then the level after that. And then, it, you know, we're working in an environment where the culture is great. And success to me again is, is, is to have respect. And I feel like I walk into a team where I've got 40, 50 people looking up to me every day. They respect me, you know, they trust me. And I think that to me, if I can walk into an environment like that, then I don't have too much else to achieve. Just keep continue doing, doing what we're doing here because that, that's all I cared about ever was obviously family, wife, kids, and having respect from people, whether it was Scott Thomas, whether it was, you know, Uma, the, you know, peers or people that have achieved amazing things. If they thought that, you know, if they had an ounce of respect for me when I, when my time's up, then that's perfect. I love that, Scott. And I think it comes down to values. And I'm very similar to you. I'm very much based on, I live my life based on recognition and being respected. And, and sometimes I think it's a little bit of a downfall as well, because I think sometimes if we look for validation from other people, we can rely on that a little bit too much. And sometimes I think, you know what, Scott, if I'm happy with something, then then that's enough. But one thing I want to say to you, Scott, and I think you need to hear it, is that, is that you are enough now. Like you are enough. And I feel like that recognition and everything else that you that you said you wanted, you've got it like in abundance yeah. Um, and you've definitely got it from me. So I feel like you just needed to hear that today to, to sort of uh, wrap up the podcast. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. But, but honestly, mate, thank you so much for joining me. You are a special part of my life and you always will be. And you've been a massive influence and inspiration for me. And I feel like we're just getting started. We are just getting started, but we need to remember to especially me and you to connect more as friends as 100%. well, because that's something that I need to do more and enjoy the process and enjoy your process. I want to wake up every single day like you and just love what I do and enjoy, enjoy the game. My dad used to say, life's a game, son. And um, I feel like that's what we need to do. We just need to play it well. It is. And we need to enjoy it and we need to trust the process. But mate, I love you so much. You, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by everything that you do. 
even to the point this morning, I was very jealous that you announced an ITV show. Actually, <laughs> turned out to be an April's Fool's. But it, when I saw that billboard, mate, I, my 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 whole body was tingling. I was so excited for you. So just know that I, you know, even though we don't work together every day, mate, I love you to bits, and I, I'm following everything that you do. Amazing, amazing. I love that, Scott. And for the benefit of the, the listeners, there isn't an ITV show. It was just April Fool's. But Scotty, <laughs> man, thank you so much, guys, for listening. And I will see you next week for another incredible episode. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, guys. Wow, Scotty, that was a trip down memory lane. And honestly, it was so good just to reminisce about the good times, but also the bad times, because I feel like we've learned so much from it. So thank you for joining me, Scotty. But next week, I am back with another episode and I'm going to be joined by my incredible operations director, Nicola, from The Social PR, who is not only an inspiring mum, but she's the ultimate boss as well. So I can't wait for you to hear from her. But don't forget to review, rate and follow wherever you listen to your podcast because it really does make the difference. And you can also drop me a DM on Instagram at scott.thomas and share anything that you learn from my podcast and I would love to repost it. So please tag me up. I will see you next week for another episode of Learning As I Go. And if you can't wait for that, make sure you check out Manx and the Mic, my other podcast with my bros.